Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. All right, welcome into episode 46 of The Grid, the show that was elated to see Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez return to the lineup. But more importantly than that, we're days away from football camp beginning, and we're excited for that here. And what we're going to start the show with is we're just going to start, we're going to be out at practices all next week. We're going to be going, I don't know how many different places we're going to be going, but we're going to start out with, you know, just different things we're looking for, what we're going to be watching for that first week of training camp. And Mike, you've covered first week of football camp. I don't know how many times now. What are you looking for as we, you know, we kind of head out on our little tour next week? Well, obviously, the first thing is the heat. I mean, uh, uh, it's always hot, let's face it, in the first of August. But the heat this summer has been just incredible. And uh, it's going to be an issue. And uh, how teams deal with it, uh, they're going to have to, I think, take more breaks. I know some teams are trying to schedule around the heat, but it's very difficult. I mean... It's hot in the morning, it's very humid in the morning, and it's hot at night in the evening. So you really can't escape it. All you can really do is try to deal with it the best way possible. Uh, That being said, um, a number of things when I talked to some coaches this week for a story we're working on for Sunday for the first day of practice, uh, the approach is a little different now for a couple of reasons. One is uh, the UIL allowing strength and conditioning, and they allow an hour of sports-specific work. Now, that's a big deal because football coaches can put their offense in, work on offense and defense for an hour a day during the summer, which kind of puts you ahead. Uh, That's one of those things that you look for. Um, Conditioning is always an issue. you would hope that most of these uh, players went to strength and conditioning, so they're in, you know, somewhat decent shape, although let's face it. And then, um, of course, you look that it depends a lot of times on where you are. Um, I know uh, Richard Whitaker down at Calhoun mentioned that uh, they practice in the evening. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, they get a little coastal breeze coming in there after 5.30, so that helps. So, yeah, there's a a number of things, but uh, the other thing is uh, with school starting so early now. I know. I saw Victoria ISD starts on the 9th. I was, what the heck? With with that happening, of course, usually the week before school starts, teachers are in in service. So that means the notion of two-a-days is really not what it used to be. Nowadays, what most teams do is have an extended workout where they take breaks and break it up in a different period. So a lot of, like uh, some schools, they'll have this week, this coming week, and then the next week uh, the teachers will be in in service, so they'll have to work out in the afternoon. They have no option. So it's changed over the years. Yeah, I'm curious. Jeremiah, what is, I mean, this will be your second season covering football here in the Victoria area. What are you, uh, what are you looking for now? What stood out to you last year? Or perhaps what are you looking, looking to see this year when you go out on the road? 
Yeah, well, I think uh, last year, obviously, it was my first year here, so I didn't really have a, a famili- familiarity with any of the teams. So I was just kind of learning everything new. Um, but this year, uh, you know, covering all of these uh, local area teams for a full year, got to, you know, meet all the coaches and a lot of the players. So now I'm able to have, like, a better better understanding of what, uh, you know, the coaches might want to do for for uh, you know, this season. And, you know, just looking at some of the teams that we're going to be, uh, you know, covering next week, uh, Calhoun Edna, I think, uh, you know, with Calhoun after last season where they started off the season uh, – it was like 0-6, I think 0-7. it was. 0-7. Yeah. And, and then they ended up making the playoffs and, you know, going a few rounds deep. I think, uh, you know, I think this year they're, they're really trying to build off of that with uh, their quarterback, uh, Alex Parker, who I think he took over midway in the season after that uh, losing streak. So, you know, some some stuff there. And then, you know, with Edna, they're, uh, I believe they, they lost a few guys in their offensive line, which was, which was uh, you know, one of the, the big factors in them advancing to the was it the regional semifinal last season um so and, and i think they came in what was it thir- third or third. fourth in the yeah. dave third. campbell poll yeah. Third. third yeah yeah so they're still they're still going to be uh you know be able to con- contend up there with the top teams but it'll be interesting to see how their running game maybe changes or you know if they were able to get guys um you know to replace those guys in the offensive line so i think first day of practice you're able to go out there and see you know the type of guys that they have on their teams yeah, so for me, I'm kind of in a position that you were last year where I'm new to the area. When I go around to all these area schools, it's going to be the first impression I have for a lot of these teams. But Victoria West is the one I'm, you know, being on their beat, the one to have some familiar- familiarity with through the spring and through the summer seven-on-seven sessions. Dur- during the spring, Coach Boyce told me that he thought his defensive line just gave the O-line fits all season or all spring. And last year, defense was not an area of strength for Victoria West. I believe it was 74 points they gave up in their playoff loss. And they put up 59. They could score, but they couldn't really stop anybody. I want to see if that defensive line is as improved as Coach Boyce believes they were in the spring. So I'm interested to watch you know, the battle of the line of scrimmage. And, Mike, you talked about – they the sports specific stuff and they have guys coming in you know during the summer they do they drill seven on seven they compete in seven on seven but they don't re- you know the big guys are out of that offensive and defensive line so i'm very curious to see early on which group has the upper hand do how does the line of scrimmage look after you know they haven't had the chance to go out on the road and compete the way maybe the quarterbacks and the wide receivers have yeah, and we should point out that East and West will be starting a week later, of course, because of the uh, spring football. Teams that do spring start yeah. a week later and have one less scrimmage. But you ask coaches, they'll trade five days for 18 days any day of the year. Well, especially when I think the spring, whenever you have, every team's going to be new. Whether you have five new players or 30 new players, every team is going to be new. And that springtime, you get – you get the chance to establish kind of what you're doing and then you're able to go into the summer and during the you know during those couple months in the summer you already have that baseline and you're able to install new stuff into the scheme and you got the you know you got the continuity and com- and uh you got the continuity already there um but we're going to go we're going to go ahead and take a break here this message from White Trash Services and then uh, Mike's going to tell us a little something about a man from Quero who uh, had a hand in signing the number one pick to the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do? 
Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back with episode 46 of The Grid. And a former football player from Quero, former athlete from Quero, Wayne Mathis, played a hand in signing the number one pick, Paul Skeens, to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mike did a story on that. And that, you know, you love seeing it when when people from, you know, from this area have a chance to contribute to the highest level, MLB being the highest level of baseball there is. Mike, you were able to do a story on Wayne last week and get a chance to talk to him. I mean, talk about that and that journey a little bit because it's, I mean, again, coming from this area and Paul Skeen's number one overall pick has a chance to be a really, really good player, and uh, the Pirates got him, and he played a hand in that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Wayne Mathis I've known since he was in high school, once again showing my age, but uh, – he was the quarterback on their 1987 state championship team, and actually the the '86 uh, team that went to the state fi- uh, went to the state final didn't win. But uh, that uh, the fact is, um, you know, uh, Wayne was. I have to say this about Wayne: he's one of the best option quarterbacks I have ever seen. Um, he would. Uh, they had a running back that a lot of people probably heard of by the name of Robert Strait that went on to play at Baylor. At the time, he had uh, was the number two rusher in the state of Texas but behind the legendary Kenneth Hall, who uh, had over 11,000 yards in his career, and I don't think anyone will ever catch him. But, of course, his, he's dropped down through the years. But anyways, uh, they ran – the option a lot with uh, straight Mathis, and Mathis had the ability to pitch the ball like 20 yards downfield. He would turn up, and Straight would follow him, and when someone would come up to, to get Mathis, he would pitch it to Straight. And, of course, uh, if people know how to keep stats, the, the pitch man gets all that yardage. Right, right. So that helped uh, Straight quite a bit. But anyways, he, he, he also loved baseball. He was a catcher. He played on the uh, – Cuero's team actually went to the uh, regional final that year and lost to uh, a Sinton team that had a uh, player by the name of Jaime Cepeda who ended up pitching for Stanford. So that was a great matchup, Rodney Pedraza and Jaime Cepeda. Pedraza would pitch at UT and go on to play uh, a little bit of pro ball and ended up playing in Japan. Anyways, Wayne went on and uh, – he actually uh, signed with the Mets. He spent two years in the minor leagues, and uh, then he was released. 
And uh, somehow, all of a sudden, he wound up, uh, he contacted me and said, hey, uh, I'm working for the Major League Scouting Bureau. And uh, he did that for a number of years I, um, and then eventually got on with the Pirates. And, uh, you know, um, he's uh, you know, I always, you kind of run into him places. I, I run into him somewhere. He does a lot of scouting of college games. And stuff like that. In fact, I think he, he he told me last week he was watching the Corpus Christi Hooks because you know uh, they always want to see in case there's a trade or something they want right. to take a look at all those prospects. Well, anyways, uh, he was involved. He got to see uh, Skeens pitch about seven times. He said he uh, became familiar with him when he actually transferred from the Air Force Academy to LSU before the season, and uh, he watched him. He spoke very highly about his character, which, uh, you know, that's a, something you have to look at when you're going to pay, what, $9.2 million yeah, bonus? Rec- yeah, record for, yeah. record for the MLB draft. Yeah, when, when you're going to put out that kind of money, you have to know that the guy you're paying it to is going to be a guy that's gonna, not going to go out and, you know, do something where – he's not going to be able to pitch for you. Yeah, and I remember during the College World Series, the broadcast team was talking about schemes, just his work ethic, like just, yeah. it, just in the building, in the gym, all the time, yeah. just grinding. Yeah, and it's, uh, he comes from a military family, so he's got that kind of structured background, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing, of course, uh, they 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 eventually uh, drafted and signed him. Uh, but Wayne said to me, you know, I – I'd rather not be picking the first-round pick because that means you're not doing that well. They'd much rather be down in the draft, you know, down where the uh, Astros, the Dodgers, and right. some of those It's always teams. be better than picking 28, yeah. 29, 30. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's nice to have that number one pick, but uh, but I think you'd rather have those wins. Right. Yeah. No, but that I mean that's real interesting. You'd lo- I mean again, there's so much that goes in like all these major league organizations, so much that goes into every every decision. So to see a guy from Cuero who had, you know, kind of had an input in that selection. It was a real discussion, you know, Paul Skeens, he had a teammate, I think yeah. Dylan Cruz was the yeah. guy's name who was also in discussion for the for the number 1 overall pick. So it wasn't just this wasn't a Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg where it was a no-brainer. There was some real discussion, but I mean, anyone who saw Paul Skeen's pitch this year knows that that wasn't a, a bad selection by any means. You got a starter throwing a hundred plus. Yeah, that's uh, we're looking forward to seeing him in the big soon. But just a cool, you know, cool story guy here from the area who you know contributing to the highest level of sport. Uh, we're gonna. T- Take a break, hear this message from Thrivent Financial, then come back with some more baseball, some Victoria Generals having a successful season in the TCL. We'll be right back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. All right, we are back with episode 46 of The Grid. We're going to wrap up the show today with some Victoria Generals action. The Generals last night clinched the best record in the TCL. Jeremiah, you were out there yesterday, and I mean, you and I—we've you know—we've been to a lot of Generals games between the two of us. 
what are you seeing from this team? Because, you know, that first, like, 10 games, it felt like they were sputtering, they were struggling. And then since then, it's been – they haven't just been the best team in the league. They've kind of been the best team in the league going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about what you've seen from this group. Yeah, well, really what I've seen is just, uh, you know, the guys that they, they brought in are, are performing up to level with what, what Coach Oros and the rest of the coaching staff expect. Um, you know, uh, Easton Dow, he's been a, a solid player for them the entire season. Uh, Derek Serta, who gave you – I think you wrote something on him. Yeah, from uh, the Dominican Republic. Yeah, he's, he's from far away, but he's in here, Victoria, uh, you know, playing very well. I think last night he had two RBIs uh, and a run, and then – uh, a new guy that they got uh, lately, Damian Whitfield, which you wrote about too. Um, he's been hitting the ball pretty well for for the Generals, uh, you know, as long as he's been here. So I think they just kind of built off of that. Uh, what was it, twelve game win streak they had earlier in the season, and now they're on a little bit, uh, a, you know, a little another win streak. I think four or five games right now, heading into the playoffs, which are next week, which I think uh, has got to feel, uh, you know, has to have the team feeling good right now. Yeah, and they're actually going to have home field advantage through the playoffs, and I don't have the number in front of me right now, but I think the home winning streak is up to something like 15 games. They haven't lost at home in over a month, which when you only got to win your home games and win the championship, that bodes uh, that bodes really, really well. Jeremiah, I also wanted to ask you, you know, you and I, we go into the locker room quite a bit, and Rusty Pendergrass is someone who's always in there, always uh, he kind of makes his presence felt. You did a, you did a story on him yesterday. Talk about uh, – I didn't realize he, was, he had been a scout for so long in the MLB and kind of his baseball background. Uh, talk to me and the audience a little bit about, you know, a little bit about Rusty because he's, you know, kind of the man behind the scenes there with the Generals. Yeah, so Rusty got here in 2021, which is uh, two seasons ago, and he had just retired from the MLB as a scout. Uh, I think uh, at the time he was working for the Diamondbacks for about 10 years, and prior to that he was with the uh, Houston Astros, and then he also did some time with uh, Detroit. So, uh, you know, he's had a lot of experience you know, on the highest level. And then before that he was a, a head coach at Houston Baptist, with, I think, which is Houston Christian now. Um, and then he was also an assistant. So he just has like a, a very deep background of uh, baseball knowledge that he was able to to bring to the generals, uh, you know, because he just couldn't stay off the field. Uh, he had retired and then he, uh, Oros was, you know, contacting people about a possible assistant coach and uh, Pendergrass's name came up and, you know, right away they, they both, uh, you know, thought it would be a good fit. And, you know, just talking to Oros and what he's been able to bring to the team the past few years, um, just that, that knowledge from from the highest level of being a scout uh, and a head coach, and he's really focusing on the hitters. And I think it's shown with how successful they've been the last two seasons. I think uh, you know making it to the championship game for both years. Yeah, I think who was it, Tyce Armstrong, or I think it was Tyce that who I spoke to earlier in the season. And he said he was here for two days, and Rusty did one thing on a swing, and he started killing the ball. I mean, that's and that's kind of how it's gone. I know he plays a big part for the Generals, and they're they're coming up on the postseason. I I believe it's the last two years they've lost in the championship game, and it's a uh, they're uh, you know talking to the team. They're excited about the you know the opportunity to compete for another championship, potentially win. Uh, potentially win the championship this time around. But talking to Oros just right before we got on the show, actually, he was, you know, he's proud of this group. He he thinks he, he thinks he's got a special group of guys who are bought in. Um, and th- this regular season title, having the best record, is something that uh is something that means a lot to him. 
Uh, so we'll be following them next week as they go through the playoffs and potentially into the championship game. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's episode of The Grid, episode 46, the last one for a long time without football players on the practice field. We're excited about that coming next week. We'll have all kinds of training camp coverage, and we'll be doing all sorts of, we'll be doing all sorts of stuff with that. Until next time, I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. Y'all have a great week. We can't wait to see you next week.